G'day, Josh Kirkman here again, CEO of Surface for Climate, with another episode of our new podcast, Car Park Convos, because change starts with a conversation. Mobilising finance. It was a big theme at this year's COP26, and there's ambition to see billions and billions of dollars mobilised to address the climate crisis that we're in. But where can all this money come from? It doesn't come out of thin air. Some say that our superannuation could hold the key to climate action in Australia. And I have on the podcast today a very special guest, Simon Shake, the CEO, founder of Future Super. Uh, Simon has a really interesting career in building social movements, as he talks about in the podcast. And his work that he's done so far with Future Super and what he plans to do is a super interesting piece of the puzzle when it comes to climate action. We all get to make a choice about what our money does when it comes to super, but not many of us exercise that choice. So please, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Simon. I certainly did, and boy, did I learn a lot. Enjoy. Well, Simon Shake, uh, thank you so much for joining me today on the Car Park Convos podcast by Surface for Climate. It's a great pleasure to have you. Um, a quick one that we like to start with, like where are you kind of tuning in from and, and what's your local beach? Thank you. Well, I'm coming to you from Bundjalung country, uh, which is in the northern rivers of New South Wales. The local uh, greeting here is Juban Jarban. So Juban Jarban to all of your listeners and I encourage everyone to learn at least some uh, of the language of the lands on which they're on today. Uh, my nearest beach is Lennox Head, one of the classic surf beaches around the country, uh, I've just come back uh, from my son having done nippers, uh, loving uh, that as a six-year-old and having an absolutely beautiful life up here in the nice. Great Lennox. So hello to everyone who might be anywhere near uh, a great surf beach like Lennox. I'm sure your listeners know it well. Oh, yeah. It's about as classic as they get for surfers. So um, really, really nice to hear that you're tuning in from there. Um, we'll dive straight into it because I know you're a busy guy and there's plenty going on in your world. Um Mobilising finance to meet the two goals of securing net zero by 2050, as well as funding adaptation for countries that are already experiencing many of the impacts of climate change, was a key goal coming into COP26, which is currently underway. Um, According to some, $100 billion in climate finance per year is what's needed to meet those two goals. We've all witnessed the offers put on the table by the Australian government, which hasn't impressed many of us. Um, The question is, Can we as a nation lift our game to achieve rapid emissions reductions while also supporting those nations that will inevitably shoulder the burden of climate change impacts that are already locked in? Do you have optimism from where you sit today? Well, I'll tell you what gives me optimism and thank you for that question. Uh, Every state and territory in Australia had a net zero target well before our federal government did. So we've got the ambition there. It might not be at the right level, but it's there. And it's there Mm -hmm. because it's there from the people. But we've also got the technology. Australia is one of the sunniest countries, one of the windiest countries in the world. As a nation, we obviously have a phenomenal opportunity to be a climate leader. But as you say, mobilising climate finance isn't just about taking Australia down a net zero pathway. It's also about what we do in our region and in our world. Superannuation funds, for example, we've got north of $3 trillion in our superannuation savings have got a role to play, not only investing in Australia, but also investing in the Pacific as well. And I know that the politics can get disheartening. At the end of the day, Australians can vote through the power of their super every day, not just every three years at the ballot box. And that's how we're going to mobilise part of the climate finance challenge 
to make sure Australia is doing its role. And um, you touched on the superannuation thing there, and look, that's what uh, you're the you're the CEO of Future Super, so this is your game these days. And um, the thing is about super, it's this kind of weird thing that happens in the background of everyone's lives in Australia, at least, who's tuning in. But really, a lot of the people listening in today, they may not really know what the impact of their super can have on the world around them, particularly when it comes to climate change, which is also a often a very difficult thing for people to get their heads around. Um, do you um, could you give us a simple explainer of superannuation so that you know people listening in can kind of understand better where all that money goes and what does it do? Well, ten percent, as we know, of pretty well every paycheck that all of us earn goes into our superannuation account, and for most of us, it sits there and we don't know what it does. Mm. The thing is that that pool now is massive. It's one of the largest sums of capital in the world at three point three trillion dollars. To give to put that in context. More than half of the shares in every company listed on the stock exchange are controlled by superannuation funds. So big is our superannuation sector that we commissioned some research recently from the University of Technology, Sydney, that showed that just over 7% of those superannuation savings could fully fund the transition to a 100% renewable energy-powered grid by 2030. So our superannuation, we've got to take control of it because it's either going to be funding the industries of the past or the solutions for tomorrow. Mm, it's an immense amount of money. Um, and just that small percentage can do so much. It's really um, so interesting to hear that, um, particularly with all of the political chatter going on. Speaking of politics, you know, you, your background kind of comes from you, your national director of GetUp, and that's a, an organisation that many Australians know and adore. Um, you're also a candidate for the Greens in the ACT at a time. Um, what was it that you learned from that period of your career that really stuck with you and, and what would you say is most relevant um, for you today in your current role with Future Super? Well, that's a great question. Uh, my own history is about helping build social movements. It's about harnessing the power of acting together. The fact of the matter is that when we take action together, it's so much more powerful than when we take that action as an individual. Just as we hit the streets together for climate action, so too can we take collective action with our money. Every time someone switches their super, it sends a message to their old fund. And now with billions switching out of fossil fuels and into the climate solutions, the super sector is waking up. So there's so much I've personally been able to harness from those previous experiences, running an organisation like GetUp, where you were out there on the front lines, running campaigns together, targeting the power of mass movements at politicians and corporations, well, we can also target that very same power at Australia's massive superannuation sector. Amazing, amazing work. Um, so with, with Future Super specifically then, like you were Australia's first fossil fuel-free fund. Um, that's a bit of a mouthful when you try and say it quickly. Um, was it a big leap of faith for you to pivot in your career in such a way, coming from that kind of social movement building in the political sphere and, and with kind of everyday people? What was the driving force behind you taking that step in the first place? Well, I had an interesting background. I was an economist and a financial analyst at the New South Wales Treasury. Uh, that was my day job. My night job was as an, as an activist. I then was able to combine those two and be a community campaigner and help scale up the amazing social movement that is Getter and so many other NGOs that I've had the pleasure of, uh, of supporting over the years. The moment in time that led to the creation of Future Super was my disappointment that the Abbott government was about to be elected uh, and was going to go and take away 
the climate action that we had fought so hard for uh, under the previous Gillard government. And it was in that moment that I knew uh, that we had to have Australia's superannuation sector deploying money into clean energy, into the clean energy revolution, uh, because if money kept flowing, emissions would still reduce. And that's exactly what's happened. Australia has reduced its emissions by about 20% since we last set our target as a nation. And we've done that not because of a whole lot of government action, but because individuals and corporations have started to take action. And even those corporations that take action, it's because of the pressure, for example. To give you a practical example, if you're a major company on the Australian Stock Exchange, you get pressure from your owners. Who owns you? Your superannuation funds. Why are they pressuring the companies they invest in? Because they themselves are under pressure to reduce their emissions. Why are those super funds under pressure to reduce their emissions? Because their customers are leaving them in droves in disgust of the lack of action that they're seeing on climate change. So yes, for me, it was a career pivot, but it was one that made a lot of sense because the moment in time that we're in right now demands of us that we do everything we can, even with a stubborn federal government, we do everything we can to drive for climate action. The world is shifting. People's savings have a massive role to play in that shift. And if every one of us gets home, opens up the phone, opens up the computer, uh, switches our super to an ethical super fund, no matter which one it is, then we're part of the solution and not part of the problem. It was a lovely turn of phrase there, a stubborn federal government. It was very kind of you. <laughs> um, given your background in, in this advocacy and engagement, um, what do you think are the most important questions that the everyday voters should be asking of their local members, just to bring it back to the kind of looming federal election that's just over the horizon for us? Like, do you think there's a glimmer of hope that we might finally move past this toxic politics that kind of saw you get involved um, in the movement originally or into, into future super with, with what Abbott was doing? Like, do you think that we can get beyond that and, and see like a clearer pathway ahead in the next decade? Well, a clearer path starts with us. It doesn't start with others. And it starts with engagement. You can engage with your money, but you can also engage with your local politicians. Engagement is at the heart of what our politicians, our corporations, our super funds all need if they're going to be part of the solution, if they're going to be part on the right side of history. And this is the thing that inspires me. When you take action with others, when you do it loudly and proudly, you're part of a track record of creating change. The history of social movements show that when we're on the right side of history, change occurs. So I'm an optimist. I think things can change. In fact, I know they're already changing. Look at the number of people now in our political worlds, in our corporates, who want to wear the green badge. Now, while some of that might be greenwashing, greenwashing is the first step to real action. So I think we're on the right trajectory. It's a really interesting thing to touch on the old greenwash. It's really hard to get people to give people a chance to change. And, and as you say, yeah, it's quite true that the first step is a, a bit of a washing of green. So we need to maybe take it easy on, the, on a few of those folks that are making that kind of uh, change in themselves. So a final question, and uh, thank you again for jumping on the podcast. It's been um, really great to hear uh, your story and the work of Future Super and why our money matters. Um, Throughout your career, you've made changes in your focus in terms of the work you do. But as you said, you've been building social movements the whole time. Um, there's people listening to this podcast who, who want to realize their own unique pathway to make an impact and creating meaningful change. As you said, it starts with us. It doesn't start with others. What's your advice to them as they navigate their own pathways moving forward? Well, Josh, that's such a, a great question. Thank you. I think it comes down to courage. 
because when it comes to solving the climate crisis, we are the first generation with the tools, the technology and the finance to get it done. But we're also the last generation who actually has the time. There are things in your control right now, whether it's your money, who you vote for, what action and engagement you take politically, what you do with the solar on your own roof. You've got the power right now to help solve the climate crisis, but you won't have the time if you wait much longer. So have the courage of your own convictions. Don't wait for tomorrow. Take action today. And together, I know it sounds corny, but I know we can create change for a better tomorrow and a planet for all of us to retire on. Well, that's a wrap on episode two of the podcast. Thanks a lot, Simon Shake, for jumping on the podcast. Uh, sharing your you know, depth of knowledge and your passion was something that really affected me and I'm sure the listener, uh, it's affected you as well. What a guy. Um, really great work that's being done by Future Super and others in this space. And to think that our superannuation can make such a big impact in the world, it's quite astounding. So if you listen to that episode and you want to make the switch, by all means, check out the show notes. We've got a link to Future Super's website, but also to our Wipe Out Your Emissions website, which has a lot of other info about how you can reduce your individual carbon emissions um, going forward. If you like the episode and you want to support our work, the very easy thing you can do is share that episode with your friends. Um, getting this message out to people, letting them hear from people like Simon Shake and the work that he's doing with Future Super, this is how change happens. This is why we call it Change Starts With A Conversation. If you want to go a little bit deeper with us, we've got our gas campaign in the Otway Basin. We're going to need all the help we can get to stop that. And if you're interested in jumping on board, Belinda Bags, our co-founder and the one leading that campaign, would love to hear from you. So please get in touch. Finally, if you want to jump on board an initiative that supports our cause, the Sustainable Supply Club has already kicked off and there are plenty of deals, discounts and free entry into giveaways uh, for some uh, for some real goodies from brands making sustainable products. It's our way to build a membership that can financially support us and our work. And if you're interested, we'd love to have you on board because the surf industry, you know, it needs consumers to jump on board and to signal to them that they're going to demand more sustainable products for them to start providing them and to really start prioritising them. So that's the point of this initiative is to drive change in the surf industry and we'd really love to have you on board for that. About the podcast, well, I've got to just say a couple of thank yous before wrapping up. Thanks again to Ben Douglas for his uh, tunes, the uh, theme song. Really good buddy of mine and I can't thank him enough for contributing. And thank you, the listener, taking the time to listen. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're doing our best and we can't thank you enough for it. Cheers. Cheers.